BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the Jacob Media Sports Network in partnership with AM1490 Sports Betting Radio. Subscribe to the Jacob Media channel on YouTube for access to all daily sports content. All right, welcome back. Nope, we're not getting into another Wildwood commercial. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein. We're live in the Prop Swap studios of AM1490 Sports Betting Radio. Rock, paper, scissors, and shoot. Uh, let's get into that and much more right now with our NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen, Philly Voice, and SI.com. And you can read up on everything else he's got going on on his Twitter page. Johnny Mac, when uh, you know, you're doing a best of five rock, paper, scissor, what's your go to first, uh, first move there? Uh, you know, I, 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 my go-to first move is to call it Rochambeau. That's the official <laughs> name of rock, paper, scissors. So anybody who knows that, I'd like. And I'll play. I'll be competitive and play rock, paper, scissors with them. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's that's the measure of how how good an NFL prospect is going to be, is how competitive are they? How competitive. <laughs> when they're down 0-2. I, hey, you know what? <laughs> I love Nick Sirianni today. I, I did, too. I in the small minority but i i loved them today i'm i'm with you nothing to do with rock paper scissors but if you're watching that thing man andy waddle harry roseman were and i was on with rich earlier a couple of eeyores man they're just depressed and trying to get through this necessary evil and nick man he just took it over i i was impressed I, I was impressed because I had said on Burst 365 this morning, I said, I don't even know why they're putting them out there because you saw it during the Doug Peterson era. Like, he, the coach has nothing to do with the draft when it comes to this being very little, I'm exaggerating. But, and you see these press conferences and all the questions go to Howie Roseman and, and Andy Weidel and before that Joe Douglas, obviously. And the coach is just sitting off there to the side, like, do, 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 do. <laughs> and that's what was going on. <laughs> the first five or six questions were to Howie and Andy, and poor Nick's got to just sit there. And I, I was number seven, so I threw him a bone, and he just ran with it. And he took over the room from that point. <laughs> I, I thought just his ability to take over, and it's a obviously it's a virtual room. Um, but he just – he brought energy and enthusiasm 
to what was a dead, um, dead affair, for lack of a better term. I, I thought he was great. I really did. I don't think it means anything. Either he can coach or he can't coach. Right. But I do find it ironic that a fan base that is so stinking emotional, so, so stinking passionate is ripping a guy for being emotional and passionate. No, I, I agree. And and I was busting his chops a little bit. Not that he saw it, but I was like, some maniacs talking right now. But I, in, in all seriousness, <laughs> I, I loved it. That, that could be me. Yeah. <laughs> right. It could be me, too. Trust me. But it's um, it, it was nice. And, like, listen, if we have to really um, try and – try and break it down like you said it doesn't mean anything can he coach or can he not coach but he learned right like from his first press conference to his second to i think this is legitimately his third appearance as eagles head coach he's a quick learner if nothing else he knew what he had to do better yeah i mean i'm writing about this for philly voice tomorrow so everyone will see the column and you know and i and while i say it it doesn't mean anything you know, what do we do? We try to read the tea leaves. You know, one thing I always say when I look back at the Doug Peterson regime, I think his fatal mistake is not reaching for the power when he had the opportunity to reach for the power after winning Super Bowl 52. He was just, as I call it, a go-along-to-get-along guy. That's sort of like Doug. He's affable. He's like, hey, you know, what I saw today is a guy – willing to fill the vacuum if you give him an opening. They gave him an opening today, and he took it. And I'm saying, look, it's probably not going to work out from a a success standpoint. I mean, this team is just not ready to contend. So I'm not predicting any Super Bowls. But I will say what he showed me today is if he does have success, He's not going to be that go along to get along guy. He's gonna, he's gonna. If there's a vacuum, he's gonna fill it. I think that's a positive. And by the way, I'm not sure the Eagles knew that they're inviting that into the Novacare complex, or even want to invite that in there. But it's in there, and that's a positive. Here's an overreaction on my part, based off what well, I. That's an overreaction, but go ahead. <laughs> Based off what I've what I've um, watched and and listened to today from head coach Nick Sirianni, that he's perfect for a young team in a transition. And I know this Eagles team does have plenty of of aging veterans. I mean, I'll just name a few: Fletcher Cox, J- uh, Jason Kelsey, and I mean, I can stop there. But the list does go on a little bit. But this this seems like a guy that can really have fun with a young team with some low expectations or mixed expectations. He just seems like a guy, this is just based off today, so I know it's an overreaction. But if that's the guy who he, who he really is, that could maybe galvanize, everyone's favorite word, galvanize a locker room, uh, particularly a young one. Your thoughts there, or am I getting a little bit in over my head? No, I mean, the Eagles behind the scenes have kind of, I mean, this, Use and energy thing was on purpose. That part of it was on purpose. They looked around the league. They thought that was the trend uh, of the NFL, the Sean McBays of the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they wanted to get 
uh, a young guy with energy and a young coaching staff with energy to try to build a, a, a younger team. So that was done. That part of it was done on purpose. Um, I, this is the first time, though, I, where I saw, you know, if you think about how the Eagles spun Nick's interview and how he hit a home run and they stopped this exhaustive search after 10 interviews, <laughs> I saw none of that in the first two times. Like, how did this guy hit a home run? Today, I saw a guy who, okay, yeah, he might have hit a home run in mm-hmm. that uh, in that Zoom atmosphere. Actually, he was down in South, South Florida, so he got to see people in person. So you, you get to see, you know, how he can take over a room. Now you finally start to get it a little bit. Again, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything as far as coaching. We'll see. It, obviously, they'll have to prove he can um, get to the meat and potatoes, so to speak, and actually do the job. But I, I saw a lot of positives from today, and none of them from Howie Roseman or Andy Weidel. Well, let's, um, you know, we started off the conversation with positives. Let's talk about the negative, I guess, if you will, for a second. What did you see from Howie Roseman? Detail it. What did you like, if anything, and detail all the things, you know, you didn't like? Well, it, it's not I, – I, I didn't dislike anything. It was just a beaten-down couple of guys going yeah. through the motions to get to go through this. I, I mean, that's what I saw. I, 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 obviously, you're not going to give out information about the draft. This is a necessary evil. Every team's got to go through it, and that's how I think they were looking at this. And you saw two guys who didn't want to be there and one guy who was thrilled to be there. Um, And obviously, uh, the two guys who didn't want to be there didn't come across great. (laughs) And, you know, Howie's in a position where, you know, people are chanting fire Howie a silly game. Um, The Eagles can put up any basic, you know, story on their website, tweet it out in the first 10 times. It might be a community story, not even about football. In the first 10 comments or so, half of them are fire Howie. Um, he knows this. He knows he's not popular. He's a little beaten down right now. So, I, I mean, I, it's not that I'm saying that they did a bad job. It's just... I saw a couple of depressed guys trying to trying to get through the day and and do something they didn't want to do. That's that was the difference. And you have an article out. You know, we're talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him at JF McMullen on Twitter. You have an article out, John, on SI.com titled "Howie Roseman on Jeffrey Lurie." Quotes: He's not jumping in. Um, how much should we believe there? And, you know, you can do the context clues of what the article is about, just talking about Jeffrey Lurie's role uh, in the draft process, but fill us in on what you wrote. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I mean, people should read it because it, it, it is, you know, I, and a lot of it is semantics and the fact that, okay, you know, Jeffrey Lurie's probably not going into the draft room and say, take J.J. Ortega-Wegside, take Jalen Hurts. Um, but he is the owner, he is the boss, and he's steering things in a direction where he's made it clear that these are the guys I, as your boss, want. 
Um, so you don't have to necessarily do it overtly. It, it was also interesting while Howie said that, he also, uh, I think it was Tim McManus who asked him right before me, you know, it, it's pretty, you know, well reported that um, some, some, of the, some of the draft picks didn't follow the organization's board. He did not deny that. Um, and I thought that was telling. Um, so that kind of tells you. Um, and, he, and he also mentioned 90% of the work is done uh, before the draft. Well, typical NFL teams, and I just had uh, Blake Bettingfield on uh, Birds 365 from Tennessee. Um, he didn't say 90%. He said all the work is done. So just that, that little door is open. Every every personnel executive I've ever talked to, on on at least a a good team, good organization, they will all say that the work is already done, the heavy lifting is already done. Uh, you know, other than if you want to trade up or trade back, um, you know, Howie left a little bit of a door open because, yeah, you can say what he wants, but the owner gets involved when the owner wants to get involved. Now I saw plenty of people. I don't know, you tell me, John, if they were overreacting or not, but plenty of people on Twitter, so you take that with a grain of salt. Um, oh, they're not committing to Jalen Hurts. Get, <laughs> get yeah, ready uh, for a quarterback. I, I mean, that was a big nothing burger. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It's April 21st. You know, I don't know. Maybe people were smoking a lot because yesterday was April 20th. We True. Didn't get to talk, so <laughs> maybe they're still – um, got a little haze in them. I, I mean, and, and Nick said, basically, we've had two days of virtual work, two days. And, and he's made a big thing about uh, competition being, you know, one of his core values and blah, blah, blah. So, I, I mean, the fact that he's not naming a starter on April 21st, he's a new coach, that's not rare. That's not, uh, that's not strange, especially a guy who is a – he started four games, was a rookie last year, was a second-round pick. Why Why are you going to go out? Oh, Jalen Hurts is the no-doubt-about-it starter for the Philadelphia. Why? Why on April 21st would anyone say that? You know, th there's news that broke today that Justin Fields has epilepsy. You know, who knows? Yeah. If he falls to 12, is that value? Um, will the Eagles consider taking him at that point? You know, who knows what happens with Deshaun Watson? Maybe miraculously every every uh, allegation against him uh, falls away and the Eagles make a decision to go in that direction. There's no need. You're not playing a game. It's not September. It's, it's April 21st. Who cares? You know, I'll use Howie's 90%, though. 90% Jalen Harris is going to be the starter week one. I wouldn't worry about it. Right, like he's trying to, just to give you my thoughts on everything you said, because I agree, like this is a new head coach, and even if he wasn't a new head coach, but especially for a new head coach, he's trying to create a culture that is upbeat, intense, work hard, fun, competitive. You you lose credibility if he goes up to that podium today and says, yep, Jalen Hurts is the guy, I haven't even seen him in person yet. He, he can't do that. <laughs> No, and, and, and why would you? And and then people say, well, 
I mean, you got to ask the question. I, I think I think Jeff asked it, Jeff McLean, but um, and and some people, you know, don't like Jeff for whatever reason. But I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a legitimate question that should have been asked. It's also uh, not a big deal that he he didn't say uh, he's my no doubt about it starter. I mean, there's this weird. I, I don't know. Maybe because of how things went so poorly with Carson Wentz that everyone jumped into the Jalen Hurts camp, and by everyone that you know, obviously there's outliers, but the vast majority of fans jumped into that camp. And said, oh, you got to get behind Jalen Hurts. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. You can say he's a he's a young quarterback who started four games. There was some good. There was some bad. He's got potential. He's not an entrenched starter. He's not Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to. You don't have to acquiesce to him. He's he's going to be fine. He's working hard. That's the strength of his game: his work ethic, his leadership ability. He's not going to be a shrinking violet. Uh, you don't have to worry about things going awry like Carson Wentz. Um, there's nothing wrong with what Nick Sirianni said with Jalen Hurts today. Talking with John McMullen, like we always do, at 7.30. Follow Johnny Mac on Twitter, at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, birds365, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, there's another article that you have out, John, detailing another possibility for the Eagles at the 12th overall um, pick for this upcoming draft in eight days, what about edge rusher? And you uh, went into further detail. Listeners, make sure you check out the article on SI.com, but uh, fill us in there. Yeah, it was a long day today. Uh, <laughs> and right after right after uh, the press conference with Howie and Andy and, and Nick Sirianni, Daniel uh, Jeremiah had his uh, last conference call before the draft. Um, so he was the one who was talking uh, about the Eagles and, and what they might do at number 12 overall. And I think as we head to the um, the stretch of the pre-draft hype, and thank God it's almost over, um, everyone is kind of settling into cornerback. And I think one of the reasons they're doing that, a couple of reasons, I mean, there's valuable Targets who are going to be in the 12 range, that, that's obvious. The Eagles have a need at the position. That's obvious. That makes sense. But also Jonathan Gannon, because his history is with cornerbacks dating back to Minnesota and Indianapolis. And they assume, well, he's really going to value cornerbacks. And um, interestingly, Daniel was the second guy. Gil Brandt was the first to say, whoa, 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 not, not necessarily. Uh, and if you looked at the Indianapolis defense, uh, a lot like Jim Schwartz, if you look at the Minnesota defense, a lot like Jim Schwartz, because good defenses tend to think the same way, and that's pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. So it's built from front to back, not back to front. And, and what Daniel was saying you value the defensive line first and foremost. And that's been the Eagles default setting forever, long before Jim Swartz. Um, and it's going to continue to be 
under Jonathan Gannon. And it doesn't seem like an immediate need as cornerback does, but Brandon Graham's 33 years old. Uh, Derek Barnett and Josh Schwett are both on contract years. So they need to add an edge rusher very early. They're going to add a, a edge rusher. Uh, it's just a matter of where. Is it going to be in the first round? Is it going to be in the second round? But it's certainly going to be one in the first two days of the draft. Um, and judging by the Eagles' history, don't don't rule out edge rusher. That's what Daniel was saying. And that would mean quitting paying. That's where I'm starting to land on. While everybody lands on corners, I'm starting to look at, at quitting pay. I still give myself time to change my mind, but <laughs> that just makes too much sense to me. John, what do you know about the NFC East uh, as far as the Cowboys, the Giants, the Washington football team? Uh, because I heard Jerry Jones is, paraphrasing, obsessed with Kyle Pitts. Uh, so what do you see teams like the Cowboys and the Giants doing in the NFL draft, whether it's trading up, trading back, um, et cetera? Well, I, I, I mean, yeah, I've heard the same things you have with Kyle Pitts, but I don't see any way uh, that Dallas he, – he's not going to last to Dallas. So they would have to move up uh, to get – to get uh, Pitts. And, you know, it's interesting because of his reputation. Uh, I think people assume uh, Jerry Jones is his big mover and shaker. He hasn't been in the draft, which I think kind of surprises people because uh, he's been around so long. His history is uh, he doesn't move much um, and he generally stays put. And if, he, if that holds to be true, well, He's not getting Kyle Pitts. So then you start talking about they have a significant needed corner. A lot of people think they were the ones, they are going to be the ones uh, that take that certain. And if the Eagles want them, they'll have to jump back up ahead of Dallas. So I think a lot of people look at that um, and, and say maybe that's the dichotomy between the Eagles and the Cowboys in this draft. Um, the Giants are interesting because. Dave Gettleman is another guy who doesn't uh, tend to trade down. Um, so, if anything, uh, they're more likely to stand pat. And I just mentioned pay. You know, people think the Eagles uh, would be reaching to take him at 12. I think he might go 11. I think they might not even have a chance to take him. Hmm. Interesting. Um it's going to be interesting, too, and I know you and I have talked briefly about this in the past, but you just have Cowboys at 10, Giants at 11, Eagles at 12. I can't remember the last time we saw something like that, especially at that level of the first round, 10, 11, 12, NFC East, uh, three in a row there. Yeah, and, and, and you talk about Washington, and that's where I think uh, a potential – they might take a quarterback – um, if one falls, but I don't think it's likely. And I think that's the spot. One of my favorite players in the draft is the, the kid from Notre Dame, JOK. Um, I think that's sort of his floor. Because people in this league constantly talk about positionless players on defense. 
to me, he's like the standard for that. Um, he can play anywhere on the back seven. And, boy, man, I, I'd even like the Eagles to take him at 12. But I know people would lose their mind. Um, I, I just think that kid's going to be a superstar. Uh, and for all the lip service that people give to that term, positionalist player, they still fall in. There's a kid at Virginia Tech, um, Devon Diablo. He's the same kind of way, but he's going to be more of a third, fourth-round pick, and they talk about him. He's too big to play safety. Um too small to play linebacker. They still have that old school thinking, yet they say, we need positional players. Pull the trigger on these guys. They're the future of foot, defensive football. You look at what Howie Roseman um, did say today, and he was asked about trading back from 6 to 12 last month, and he said the reason we traded back from 6 to 12 was because flexibility creates opportunity, and that's something you and I both agree with, and you've detailed that plenty. Um, did he hint at more to come? You know, Do you think that there's a possibility here? It doesn't make sense, and I've asked you this before, but after him speaking today, do you see another trade up or back, and particularly in the first round, not later? Uh, yes. Um I mean, well, I will say, I mean, he's going to go up and down throughout the draft, 11 picks. I mean, we had, we had Brad Spielberger on from Pro Football Focus over the cap today. He did uh, a great story actually last year. He ran down every single trade, um, draft trades general managers have made, and he updated it this year. Uh, and that's where I said, I mean, there are a lot of surprises, Jerry Jones, Rarely moves. That was a surprise. Howie's, there's kind of four categories. There's GMs that go up to get players. The best example of that would be Mickey Loomis from New Orleans, who has gone up 13 times. He's never gone back. He just goes up. Um, there's the guys who always trade back to add draft capital. That's like Rick Spielman, Bill Belichick, John Snyder. Those guys are, are that type. There's the guys who never move, and that's Mike Brown and, and Jerry Jones would probably be the second one in that category. And, and then there's the guys who go up and go down and go up and go down, and, and that, that's Howie. That's Howie. He's done it 26 trades. It was 12. He went down 12 times. He went up 10 times. Now, since 2018, 2019, remember, when they made the Carson Wentz trade, they gave up so many draft picks. So they had those two consecutive years where they only had five overall picks. So his last four moves have been down. But now this team is loaded with picks again. They have 11 this year. They have projected to be nine so far next year. So he's got plenty of capital now. He's going to go up and down all three days if he likes players, uh, if he sees a, a, a cluster of players and he can move back down. I, I think you're going to see a lot of fireworks. And it, it starts in round one. I could see him going up, and I could see him going down. <laughs> and, you know, Albert Breer, I joke, he put in his column, Eagles have talked to teams about going up, talked to teams about going down, or they could pick a 12. Well, no duh. Common sense. 
But that's that's the point. You know, they're in position because they have all the capital they need to do whatever they want. So they are laying the groundwork if a player they like falls a little bit on the board and they don't think they're going to get by, say, Dallas and the Giants, they can go up. If, if you know, they want quitty pay and they don't think it's value at, at 12, they can go back. And that's the position they're in. Now, you always need two to tango, and that's the point. I mean, sometimes you can't find somebody who wants to come up to your spot. You have to take the pick. So you have to be comfortable uh, with your sort of plan B. But, yeah, I mean, his history says he's going to be all over the place. He's going to go up at times. He's going to go down at times. They could go up. They could go down. It's uh, it's fitting. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, and that's what the Philadelphia Eagles uh, do best. There's going to be flips well, and turns. Well, one thing, you know, and this kills people. One thing Howie is tremendous at, and, it, and that was the move from 6 to 12, he understands how to get value. He got tremendous value for going down. The problem is you got to pick the right players when you pick. <laughs> and then I said the second problem this year, which we discussed on Monday, I think, yeah. is, you know, if this is a historic quarterback class, why the hell are you going down? Right. So obviously the Eagles don't think it is. Well, we'll uh, we'll find out. We're inching closer. John McMullen has us covered every step of the way. We're up against it, John, as they say in the biz. But thank you, as always, my friend. Um, we'll do it again tomorrow at 730. Quick break.